Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode. I do greatly appreciate you guys waiting for the end of The Legend of Vox Machina, which debuted back in February of 20, uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day of all days, uh, uh, earlier this year of 2023. Uh, of course, we had our illustrious hostess, Mika Burton, with Sam Regal, Liam O'Brien, Travis Willingham, Matt Mercer, with the leading character developer, Phil Boboasa, Barbaras, uh, which gives us episodes 10, 11, and 12 of the last uh, the last episodes of The Legend of Vox Machina Season 2. Uh, keep in mind, uh, I have done this before, but I actually lost the audio, so this is the redux, because there was many things to cut down, and I couldn't even find the other part of notation so i do apologize for making this one short and sweet uh as everyone jokes about the number this is actually in during the live broadcast to talking about the episode 10 of the kill box uh this is all like leading up to productions and all that and making that every single note is like hey this is uh such and such number of such and such episode but where is episode such and such you know uh, Liam mentioned uh, in the last episodes uh, that went pretty hard in the into the storyline. Uh, not only having to see the uh, city disappearing at the beginning of this episode, which is quite insane, but also at the same time, like it's right there. But it was also a thought design to help the animation going through, and it kind of gives a deliberate, you know, sideline if you will, for future ideas or future thoughts of, uh, of the episodes come to be. Uh, Stephanie uh, Beatrice was mentioned uh, among the group because her voice talent become a part of the whole uh, group and everything. Uh, for the voice of Kedak, his voice, Ralph's voice, was not known to Matt because Matt did not know who was Ralph to begin with until he looked him up to knowing that he was like uh, a part of many other things uh one of which is is the uh cancel series willow uh from disney plus uh he was one of the guards that got infected just to give you guys a heads up of who would who so matt was kind of happy because the voice that ralph project was as close to kavdak uh in the campaign so that was like a huge bonus uh, in the preparation scene where Kavdek and Grog battled, is I kid you not, it was part of the campaign because Matt Mercer really made it heavy on the uh, display of all the little nuts and crannies of everything that he made. So the thought of how the design of it based from the campaign made it to animation. And yes, even so, you you make little toothpick uh, card rails. It's literally animated in the, uh, in the thing. Uh, Greenbeard, a uh, character from the campaign, was not added or given a role in this episode because it will be featured, it will be featured in future seasons or so, or future next season or so. But uh, we know that there was a character called Greenbeard from the campaign. Uh, in the scene, Kaylee is with the group, and at this point, where we, the audience, don't know what her objective is or what her motives are, but she always wants to stick with um, Scanlan and Ashley's uh, character uh, involvement. 
So, but mostly uh, Kaylee's just there because of uh, Scanlan. So just to make sure that you know we know that it's it's just like a little dead on spot from there. Uh, Matt cheered for. Travis going heavy on his voice reactions to the fights because Travis has a background and, and kid you not this is actually based off of Travis's little uh, behind the scenes uh, vocals for doing Dragon Ball Z if, if you think that he just does it for fun uh, well yeah and also the reaction of how uh, Travis's voice travels to the grunts and groans it's literally part of everything else um they also had time to have a fully and setting from the fights and all that added in because, well, fully is more like a background noise of how each object or each sound or atmosphere sounds like it too. It just literally gives a whole new thing and all that. Uh, I kid you not. At the moment that Grog regains his strength back, uh, this is like literally uh, something that we will always notice. It is iconically epic to see how, you know, he gets enraged, muscles blown out and everything. It's like literally seeing like uh, Bruce Banner turn into the Hulk in like animation form. So it's like uncanny right there. Uh, the color scheme of the characters uh, reflecting in the shadows and around the uh, area that they're in. It is quite uh, astonished in how it's always like cool to see these things happening. Uh, the silhouettes reflecting into into the player's uh, campaign was also added in as part of it. Now the song that was playing in the background of the uh, uh, battle is literally metal because you like really have like hardcore vocals and everything you have that going on. Uh, Matt mentioned the fighting scene was feeling like a Dragon Ball Dragon Ball fight scene, which is basically characters upon characters switching to switching. And then Travis Finn rage into the lyrics it has been upbeat on to part of it as part of the you know ensemble of the you know the course the the thing that happens to be a part of that. Uh, the battle of the sequence. Um, battle sequence of how it's designed is stylized in different forms different ways and it's and it's pinpoint to be where it needs to be from the campaign so it's quite astonishing they have that also the art team is literally putting like different structures of hordes and backgrounds and all that of the structures so it was literally something that was so cool that was awesome the scene of the one-hit critical that have uh, been rolled by Travis uh, having to describe how to defeat Kevdak was literally part of the campaign design of how the animation should go. So basically, we literally have seen him being split into like literally half of a man. So it was very thought whole, whole on that one. Sam mentioned about the uh, song uh, Old Bald Man Cry. Is literally a uh, self-gratification of oneself story so that's kind of like a inside joke but us critters know that it's kind of funny uh, the Raven cream does make a hint scene uh, uh, 
cameo of her scene towards the end of the episode, but it's more teasers later on that leads to the next two episodes into the season. Matt literally had a one-band man, but not only providing Dr. Denzel, but the rest of the bandmates that's inside of the scene. The scene where Percy is literally putting out the, uh, the schematics, the scenes of how Sorry for the ruffling. The scene of how it was like described for the next episode was like beyond uh, a thought that we were going to see how it's going to be for discussed. So uh, to draw uh, shorter and scenes for, from different episodes that which they combine uh, this from uh, like a good two, three days campaign. Uh, it was literally something to sh- not only shrink for time on camera or time in, in the show, but also shrink it down for let's get to the point of all this. The bedroom scene was a whole concept described in the situation where Sam made it awkward uh, towards the end that he's watching this scene with kids and playing it as a playing it as a cl- cliffhanger with a bald, old bald man cry. Uh, yeah, I would say as a parent uh, that will leave like awkward questioning, but at the same time, I mean, it's hysterically fun if you're uh, if you're just a beginner or knowing the campaign ahead of time. Uh, during a Q&A session, Phil's design of each character uh, was based on reference and a literal source of the people who voice and perform them. So literally, if you take uh, from the episodes where uh, Will Friedle, was campaigning they they literally had to get him a rugged look uh with mud and chops and just like work with that and kind of got an idea of how he should look in the campaign comparing to the uh other stuff that's happening going on uh the size for the reference of each character was also playing the parts because of course we know grog being tall and then in part of the campaign where he gets rid of Craven Edge, he shrinks down, which means that it's a totally different uh, matter of how it is with the character. Uh, by giving ourselves an insight from Travis's point of view, a progressionary straight of how beginning to end of how his uh, story is, it's like literally a early journey going through to something totally insane totally uh unmentionable and how the storyline has progressed between uh season one and season two this gives us a whole new uh revisiting of how uh earthbound groom sees this question that's looming over greg's head like where does his true strength lies and it's like totally uh perspective how grog is doing things on finding this as well as doing other things to understand where it's coming from and prone of how phil uh finds a difficult time to translate from storyboard to story from the campaign is that it's it's hard to pinpoint where they wanted to be whereas where they needed to be so by shortening some of the storylines from the campaign kind of helps out with the storylines that's been formed so this season was more story driven of individuals comparing to last season where it happens with group and then splits it to another group to join back in again with the same group 
it, it was it's a little difficult to explain but in the storyline idea this season uh was more propelled on individual strengths and growth uh comparing to the group that we just got introduced last season uh the difference between the fey realm characters and the herd was plainly seen in fantasy where um where if you go to the fey realm it's like a magical world it's full of like chaotic uh <laughs> chaotic stuff happening and strange things whereas the herd is like literally a mixing pot of variety of different races and the style of mad max uh if you guys uh, take that film reference but if you don't uh, mad max is a utopian world of rules and everything and kind of look kind of was like australia's point of view of how the world would be if it turned into like differently but that's uh that's a different point of storyline of a different movie uh the herd was literally like a different groups of people because it's been known to be like a, a sort of group of blending all together in many things uh all at once um Matt mentioned in past uh, of his passing pet uh Dagon in the show uh which means that uh his voice was literally was in the creature like I mentioned in the last episode of the last li- live show I mentioned so it was like very heartfelt and not only heartfelt but truly an honor to have uh a beloved pet that passed through uh Liam uh on on the point where he feel on his failed uh, dad's attempt with Keela's offer, uh, was distracted uh, by the Raven Matron, which is like totally understandable because he doesn't he doesn't even know how that plays out for him. At the same time, he's wondering like what's going on, why is she here, what she's what was she going on on this one. Uh, Scanlan Darler Cavey uh, was a way into the. Sh- in the story of where she's stepping in sam himself coached the actress who voiced kaylee uh in her direction which is an awkward situation but he kept it as a professional in the works uh as much as much as one can do with you know having a somewhat father figure (laughs) coaching the daughter um uh the fight scene in this in the mansion was insanely marvelous uh, as everything uh, was well thought out because it was like a totally different realm that they explored. It was a concept of the area that they fought take place uh, as well as, you know, like seeing this uh, from campaign to animation all in one go. Uh, Chad had a chance to uh, see how the cast and crew took from these two seasons and then go moving forward on to the next season whereas wondering like what's going to be going on in their mind when they bring this home uh travis uh takes with himself the lessons of the voice voicing of the closet as a memory of learning of remote acting which is true because when you're stuck uh in your own own home and you're not near a studio you have to make a literal mix-shaping studio space in order for you to go, you know, put this in there. Sam, as a joke, uh, checks IDs before going 
to bed with people, but uh, you know, it's a it's a ha ha joke. It's a it's a within a uh, season joke uh, on that one, which is kind of like funny. Uh, but even so, it is it is comical to like, hey, this this was something that was Scanlan's idea, not mine, you know. But still, good joke. Uh, Matt does agree that in the future seasons to see Kaylee evolves uh, in the relations of being Scanlan's daughter, and then move forward with many things that's happening with her well-being, how she's going to grow as a person as well as the character that she is. Uh, Liam noticed that characters that fall but rise for the occasion may have occur or will occur in future seasons. Uh, Matt added that the story will be more on growth and change over time that are not all the campaign moments. It's actually actual scenes in animation. So Matt is going to derive some original content from the campaign, but twisted enough to be actual origin on the animation comparing to the base source of the campaign. So we will see something in the next season or future seasons on having that going forward. Uh, of course, uh, there's a huge difference between translations of campaigns to animation. Uh, there will be a ton, there were a ton of non-playable characters or NPCs in the season. Of course, Matt himself will have voiced a few. Even so, uh, not only Matt, also the fellow cast members, uh, which is also Ashley Johnson, uh, Laura Bailey, Marisha Ray, all, all the characters, as well as the guest members who had uh, also joined on the campaign uh, as guest stars, will be also probably doing some voice works in the future. Uh, Matt and Liam joke, jokingly talk about uh, them being the guardsmen uh, that played with boulders, parchments, and shears, which is uh, D&D's version of rock, paper, scissors. Chris Sabat, the voice actor who actually is the person who voiced All Might from My Hero Academia, um, I believe Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, being uh, Yami Yugi or Yugi. Uh, he was voiced the character who literally got the axe uh, after getting that boulder, parchments, and shears uh, challenge done. Uh, Sam kept hearing in his uh, kept hearing his fellow members in the crowd of the herd, so there was more added on to the voice works and many things for everything else. Leading up to episode eleven, which is Belly of the Beast, which uh, Matt pointed out uh, in the panning shots ever seen Scanlan on bed which is, haha, a point out to camera movement, which is our uh, stern mugs that's on the shelf that Sam pointed out that those were originally part of the original campaign, the first campaign before it got animated, now been etched into animation uh, to, you know, gives not only homage to the people who actually uh, continue on from the first first campaign, with these cups, but also immortalize them being objects that it were part of a tavern and so forth. Uh, Sam wonders on a two-minute joke, opening joke uh, for a prime time series, and of course wonders, uh, even with Travis, that the lines that he used were funny enough in the episode. I mean, if 
if it's aligned good, it's good. If it's hysterical, keep it. <laughs> because even in a production point of view, that would still count. Sam pointed out that the sword um, was added uh, was added for the season or series, but uh, actually it was a point from Liam that it was a sword from the series of replacement item in the campaign. Mika Burton thought that the sword was a cursed sword that Kaylee was leaving behind, but it was more of a telltale sign that she wants to leave that sword to Scanlan to, you know, leave the worries, woes, pain, and all that that Kaylee carried onto him. Of course, we will hear, uh, we will hear Laurel's Bailey's, uh, voices lend in there uh in the herd as i mentioned in the resurrected spirits uh that there was resurrected spirits in the scene where liam's character uh faxel dan uh noticing that there was like the past season uh characters as well as the current season uh mention uh, of the remote Recording that there's so many voices added onto the scene that jokingly mentioned the officer that joking that, I'm sorry the the scene where the voices were reminded were not only of the current season but also the past season mixed together with all the combined audio design and blending out all each one of them, which is a lot if you if you were an audio major. So just a heads up on that one. Uh, this part, uh, Liam jokingly mentioned that Umbrasil being of a QVC person, which was like, you know, like a salesperson online trying to tell you to buy a certain item, and it's like, oh, buy this, buy that. Uh, as a joke, uh, it's a joke because it's like, oh, Umbrasil has the sword of divine intervention and all that which is kind of cute it's funny uh even think about seeing that happening like in animation form uh sam believes that Towson uh had written lines uh of this of the scene of the trap design which is uh almost true because he did do that in campaign he described it left and right and all that uh there was a mention of a Taurore raven problem as the matrons was seven uh back Dan and all that. The nod check, uh, or the nod mention of check for traps, was part of the campaign uh, for checking everything because somehow one of the party members could have triggered a trap on many things. Um, when Travis uh, saw the design of the Matron's Temple, uh, being a humongous thing, he wanted to make sure the details were like huge and massive, like to a point where you can literally can see like in the shadows the like fine lining and detail of a decrepit statue or a ruined uh, altar, if you will, and that's like literal like big for a design of how to see uh, from the Vaxaldan's point of view. Arthur Tang uh, did the background design of the temple, uh, as Ryan Mingo uh, did the bl- blood pool uh, element in the painting, which definitely in the scene, it was literally uh, something that 
we as the audience did not know but at the same time it's like oh this thought is like awesome it's it's like awesome to see and mesmerizing you know they also joke mentioned uh, that the atmosphere is more like a techno rave as Mika pointed out in the scenery so it, it I, I would say like if if it's like a dark cave and all that it would be like literally something to look forward to you know uh, Liam remembers the scene uh, based from the campaign is that having a being a, a heart in your throat moment where it's like you want to gasp for air but you can't but even so it is something heavily and thought out that was like descripted to add not only to the scene but also like how it felt while you're playing the campaign so it was like literally the uh, design of Vaxodan's descent into the abyss uh, was well put because it was best described in the campaign and Liam seeing the scene being a recreation of that campaign literally is something spiritual to look at you know and then Travis finds that the spiritual aspect of the Matron's true form was something that is like hidden behind the mask but at the same time it's like we cannot see what she is yet you know uh, they were wondering about the details of Matron but Matt only knows for sure what's going on what's happening you know uh, the face mask is allowed on is allowed on who well actually it's more like a lewd <laughs> it's more of a lewd on who the matron is of her golden threads being tied to everything else so if you if you remember seeing season one and the title title uh, sequence or title title go and you see these golden strands that was like a hint that the matron was with them all the time and it was like and and this makes Liam proud because seeing this happening on many things uh it it's like a wonder that there was a thought of the opening with these golden threads yeah uh Liam seeing Percy as a transition from scaldering dark character to comedic master uh it was like literally a sore growth right there uh the difference of grog and scanlan were timed and genius in this one because while well, there be many times that travis and sam has been hanging around too many times doing good jokes uh the the truth of the campaign translating to animation is genius uh as this was a turn turn style base system that was in the campaign and then later adapted for animation of how from that turn point turns into a scene for people to see it the design of the herd and box market fighting obviously in the campaign relations is definitely one of the most uh, heavily thought out uh as well as mapped out moments uh, and the journey uh alistair did the invisible lining as Ambassador um, so turns invisible, which is gives us a, a clear indication that this was like a, you know, cloaking or camouflage kind of deal. Uh, Nico helped with the design of the dragon fight while invisible because, quite frankly, if you need to see an invisible dragon fighting, it's literally right there, just simmering by uh, bending the light of everything else. 
this was also thought out to be arranged in animation as well as CG. So it was like literally tossed between two different forms of animation and computer manipulation, if you will. Uh, the difference on Grog punching a dragon <laughs> feels like a Travis point. Uh, how we ended the episode was intended from the campaign because that was our edge, uh, holding our ed- uh, holding our audience at the edge of the seat, which is basically literally holding to dear life what happens next. And of course, I uh, I would mention about that scene, but it's part of the Q and A, so hang on. So, of course, Q&A for, you know, Belly of the Beast, uh, Travis and Sam answered the monologue of the Matron of Ravens as is a character who sees the roles as a two-sided coin that's ushering the passing of a character. The story of the Matron may be another story arc in the future seasons, as Phil discussions off the Matron's design as a spiritual being, design concept uh, had a big DT style of inability of emotions in her face whereas she uh, covers always covers ever Liam answers uh, the first initial thought as his character of Vexeldan becomes the Matron's champion Uh, that one has always been a part of Liam's character ever since campaign one and even so, from campaign one to animation, there's like a huge time difference because that's <laughs> that's like literally uh, Liam O'Brien's part right there. Uh, seeing it brought to animation was best honored and well preserved uh, to the source uh, to the source campaign, which is basically like right there. It's like literally thought and design in in the spectrum of, of how it's supposed to be. Uh, despite the distance among the team, uh, it was a fantastic uh, collaboration between creators and artists on the same project, which gives us a whole new meaning of how remote uh, productions are different between actual productions. But even so, uh, there was like a time where uh, artists is questioning how the creator should see the character or the creator is asking the artist to do what they need to do with that character in the design as well as the background and all that. Um, Matt discussed the relationship uh, between Ripley and Umbrasil as being of a, uh, a lot of two stories merging into one, which was like two separate stories between uh, Umbrasil's battle and Ripley's uh, you know, campaign into it. So it had to be, you know, parallel to one another by the means of timing as well as, hey, this looks like similar to what they're doing and it deals with the same objects, which is basically uh, the, you know, the hidden gems, if you will, the um, the treasures. And, and trust me, it was a, a lot to even thinking about, but at the same time, these things were like literally coming together. On, on this one so it's like literally like down to the money maker to get two storylines into one for the momento, uh, monumental moments and then from the campaign Sam finds it tricky to see how the seasons could come 
could could be from a previous season uh, of the campaign. So it was basically seeing how the campaign was to something that has been renovated or revented or revision. Sorry, revision onto the uh, animation from campaign. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, Phil discussed about the design of Umbrasil's characteristics and statue of size because you gotta understand Umbrasil is like literally part of a if not section of hierarchy of dragons but also at the same time like a type of element of dragons uh, of course we have ourselves seen Umbrasil like spitting acid but also bending light around him but he is, among others, uh, one of the smaller dragons that's in the group. So it's like literally seeing this being small from the Coma Clown Clave to seeing the big old daddy dragon, which is Thordak. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, the classification between all of them was literally like up and up and up and up. Uh, also, uh, the challenge between dragon and then character that was also playing in the part because literally we see dragons being bigger than what they are as well as many other characters uh man and phil addressed the design of the matron reverence was of a thought of how her power is revealed to actual then and her actual form is way too complicated or too way complex in design which is massive if anyone wants to take take a gander and then realizing that it's not so massive it's just like half if you will uh the talks and discussions of the controversial scene were <laughs> vaxel dan and scanlin entering the booty tube uh was not as heavily as the troll appendage of the last season uh this was actually well thought and design of the enemy and the anatomy of a mystical creature as a dragon. So, <laughs> if to describe this, it's like literally seeing a um, a uh, a scan of swords. Uh, I don't want to go into details because I want to keep uh, kid friendly as it is. But <laughs> I mean, come on, uh, this this one is like literally like out of the park on there. So. Uh, Travis describes his vocal range as Grog doing his battle cry that is easily in the scene and Liam pointed out that nearly everyone had a fair share of battle cries throughout the recording process as well as various of other projects. Uh, this one's definitely like up and up on like <laughs> the range of how everyone is to how everything goes and I I, for one, do not, like, you know, point out that, hey, these guys are trained actors and talented uh, people. So it was literally something new to uh, add as well as something remembering, you know. That leads us to the last episode of the season, which is the Hope Devourer. Uh Basically, there is a lot of Easter eggs pointed out from Season 1 as well as Season 2 at the beginning of part of the opening. 
this this helps out with the whole many uh, future episodes, if you will. Uh, that gives us a hint of the one shots, the continuing parts, uh, the ones that would be there but not be there. I'm just going to be saying that because the campaign was very, very well thought. The grandkids uh, that was voiced by them was actually uh, Sam Regal's kids uh, again. Because literally they were, um, they lend their voices to Scanlan's grandkids, as well as many other kid uh, characters in, in the show. So kudos for those guys. Uh, hidden again of the booty tube, uh, we are being recalled of where we last seen them. Uh, the discussion of the uh, tube design and joking about the looks uh, is a trend. It is really like a medical personnel to see all that, and that is like tremendously detailed right there. The transition of Keyleth becoming the bird is amazing. The design of the midair battle was key point in, in the um, campaign. So basically, it was like literally you're seeing what they've spoken, how they battled in midair, how things happen according to the campaign, or as close to the campaign as it is. Uh, Fisting was a good production point because how Scanlan summoned uh, the Fist of Bigsby uh, was quite an astonishing part, as well as, hey, Scanlan can summon literally a giant hand. The moment where uh, Vexel Dan transformed as the champion was literally part of the act of the campaign where he's literally diving in midair and emerge as this champion for the Raven, a matron of Ravens. The ma- the mountain that was a uh, part of the can- part of the episode was the uh, Gas Shadow Mountain, which ended uh, back in their original homebrew and comics. Believe it or not, comics. Uh, I think Dark Horse uh, as part of the early stage of their campaign. So this was literally something that was like before uh, Geek and Sundry before. Uh, Critical Roles, Foundation, everything before that. Uh, Vaxel Dan and Keyleth's scene was hinted from the campaign to be a romantic scene, but wasn't because the call sign is Jenga. Uh, no, um, it, it was like literally hinted that the uh, hinted by Liam that the teamwork was a campaign move as it was everyone saving everyone. So it was it was part of the scene right there. Uh, the scene where Percy saves Vexilan was definitely a design, design decision of how Percy can like use, I think, bad news. But it's definitely a part of the campaign as well. Uh, Travis mentioned a scenery point that the lair Ambaso uh, was well thought as as well as flow with the characters as an elemental point, which basically the battle with Amarso was hugely designed for every character to be a part of, even the dragon himself. 
Matt jokingly uh, had the original ending of Scanlan being the last member of Vox Machina, which kind of ends the whole thing. Uh, but no, no, it was a, a joke. But the scene of him becoming the hero was perfectly designed as a means of him breaking out of being afraid and facing danger head on. Uh, Sam's voice does go that high because when he sings that uh, high note, it's literally Sam and not uh, audio design of someone using someone else's. William pointed out that as this character would try to heal Travis, Jorgling jokingly mentioned that she current her that her current character of Campaign Three, Bell's Hells or Hell's Bell or Bell's Hell would loot the body like take it off taking items off of it that that's hysterical between two different standpoints right there uh sam's pointed out that this would have been great as scanlan did fake his death in the campaign but possibly in later seasons which that is true um uh for scanlan faking his death and then having uh, another person join in that is a little pompous uh it, it would have been part of this season if you want to follow the campaign accordingly. But uh, at the same time, it's like this is what happens in, in the campaign. Uh, of course, uh, massive rewards are at the very end because after they defeated uh, Umbrasil by the uh, sword in the eye and, and Savage Slash or Mungus Geyser Slash uh, on the other end, uh, literally, the treasures that they got from from the uh, from the town is right there. It's like hell. No, no need to be, you know, keeping out on anything else. Uh, Keeper Yenin, uh, seen towards the end of the episode, uh, maybe a birthmark on the face, which was the indicator that it wasn't Keeper Yenin. But even so, I mean, come on, obviously we knew what was Kyrian and trying to say or anything. However, the actress, uh, the voice actress, uh, Cree Summers was given much presence of the, of the things to come. Uh, it was literally like, oh my God, the tone of her voice would just like give you an idea of like, this is monumentally huge, which at the end of the, at the end of the uh, episode, which we've seen the dragon eggs, um, the ending was jokingly pointed out a uh, bit, uh, bit coined, but it was also a fantastic cliffhanger in the end because we literally see a massive egg army underneath the uh, the ruins. Now to the uh, Q and A portion of the the Hope Devourer. Uh, Chad or Mika mentioned to Travis that the stone knuckles was heavily different from Craven Edge, whereas more of hands-on instead of a hack and slash, which is given because they're literally giant fists. Matt mentioned that, um, and this is part of the campaign too, by the way. Matt mentioned that Travis helped created the stone. Uh, Titan Stone Knuckles as a way of creating new items uh, for the campaign. Uh, Matt also thought of the creation of Thordax look uh, being more regal and royal like uh, style because he's literally the king of dragons. 
that gives uh, Thordek his monarch look and style as such. Uh, despite a, there were a bunch of dumb idea pitches, uh, there were quite a few amazing ones with them. Liam describes uh, Rock's newfound ability uh, was best as a past campaign moment during Vox Machina campaign as a final experience as it describes an animation. Speak of, there was an anim- animatic uh, where uh, Vexeldan and Scanlan came back to the group but was in a rough description uh, animatic between two between the two scenes. So basically it's side by side of how originally how it was sketched to what it's now animated, which is basically almost near near the same, which is everything that we hope for. Phil wanted to talk about uh, Faxaldan's armor as the best description of how a matron of Raven is designed, along with how the style of Vaxeldan's design, which is basically a fully black armored uh, winged uh, being. Uh, in, in the design of how he's supposed to look from the campaign description when he got the armor. And then incorporate that uh, being part of, you know, something that we now will see in future seasons, as well as this is who he is now. We can't change that. Uh, Sam's point of view on Scanlan's uh, uh, journey is evolving him to be a better person instead of being a uh, naughty gnome. <laughs> uh, Matt, Matt's adaptation coming into into animation was a truly fantastic, a stupendous, unreal as it fell to Matt a unique full circle with heartful joy and it will always be a fulfilling dream that Matt never thought of completing. Uh, for those who need a little backstory on that one, Matt Mercer literally did uh, go to school for animation. And then he fell into voice work. He fell into uh, being a DM, being a, a part of a executive group of uh, producers to profitably put all this together. And it's like, yeah, yeah, this is definitely something that not only on a strong strong point right there but also at the same time that if you have gone to film school and you feel like you have not accomplished a whole lot this will give you a whole different chain of events that will get you to that you know get to that point uh the final scene of umbrasil's battle was designed by studio ghibli artists and the scribe of the campaign was fantastic and marvelous. The 3D rendering of the animation between uh, 2D and 3D was quite the astonishing phenomenon that's always been, well, for me it is, uh, interesting. But also at the same time, it's like it, it's truly remarkable to blend both something computer graphic to something that is hand-created, you know? The uh, Scanlan reading... Uh, Keyleth's letter was a fantastic easter egg that the critters pointed out which is, that's new <laughs> uh, as Vexeldan couldn't feel Vexalia was a big indicator that the thread between the two which was a couple back was their connection together that being severed by the matron knowing that this is a two separate journey part between these two 
So it's an indicator in future seasons we will not see that familiar dynamic or something familiar with those two, but still be resemblance being right there. Uh, the reason for Scanlan didn't heal this season was a story driven as Scanlan was supposed to be growing as a person more than a support. Uh, as the final question ends uh, on why the final blow to Scanlan was incredibly diff- different and narrative changed, uh, which was totally true because uh, this gives us a whole new look for Scanlan uh, when he did that final blow. However, in the campaign, in the original battle, it was literally Grog uh, that made the final blow to the dragon. But given a story standpoint and how it is, uh, we cha- they changed it to being Grog instead of Scanlan, or Scanlan to Grog. Kind of giving us this idea that this is something that Scanlan must do and not Grog. And this gives us a point where, in, in a story beat, in a story beat, by the way, uh, we will see ourselves with Scanlan being the wielder of the Vestasil weapon, Myth Carver, to give us an idea that something is huge and monumentally great to end, end the ma- major battle, but at the same time, it's uh, heartfelt to that. Now, uh, that is like literally the end of the live show, but I, I would like to make mention on this one that uh, during this time, uh, around around the recording, we, we did lose a fine gentleman by the name of Lance uh, Reddick. Uh, for those who don't know his uh, work, uh, he was um, he was the connoisseur uh, in the... Um, John Wick's film uh, all the way up to uh, the fourth which how they end his uh, story right there it's um, it, it was more heartfelt right there as well as uh, Albert Wesker in the uh, Netflix uh, Resident Evil that's something to add to uh, also uh, in part of the gaming world uh, he was literally commander as uh, Savalia from Destinies 1 and 2 and I I would so cry a little uh, for that man um, when when I when I pick up the uh, Destiny 2 uh, thing up again I did an honor uh, stream for him uh, in Fortnite when the commander of all skin was available and I, I got that at the time before he passed so I uh, I hope that would be something so anyways uh, yeah that was the end of the live tweet or the live uh, twitch uh, aftermath for Vox Machina uh, season 2 which we're hoping to see season 3 and thank god the registration is finally over therefore that will probably come in like maybe 2020 five or so give or take plenty of time for them to relook and reaggregate with many things also with many other things that's happening for critical world okay that's it uh that's it for the time being till the next final two episodes you guys have a good one you guys 
thank you so much be safe out there be good and as always see ya